Landscape Photography World, a podcast for everyone passionate about landscape photography. I'm Grant Swinburne and I'll be your host on this show talking to landscape photographers about their motivations, likes and dislikes. This podcast is sponsored by Syncback Pro, the professional photographer's tool to keep your images safe. How safe are your photographs? Or to put it this way, how would you feel if you permanently lost some or even all of them? The fact is, there are very real risks in storing your digital images on a hard drive, even if they're backed up to an external device. There's ransomware, hardware failure, file corruption, virus infection, and even accidental deletion or destruction. Syncback Pro makes this problem go away, permanently. Syncback Pro is the professional photographer's tool to back up photographs, images, documents, and data files. Once set up, it keeps your files safe, quietly and reliably in the background. So if problems occur or disaster strikes, you'll have nothing to worry about. Your photographs will be safe. Which is why it's also the backup solution that I use myself for my own photographs. Take advantage of an exclusive 25% discount today by going to www.backup.sg. This software will never expire, meaning your photographs are safe forever. That's www.backup.sg. Give your photographs the protection they deserve. Stefan Thomas is a Sydney-based photographer who dabbles in many genres of photography. Though he enjoyed photography growing up, other interests took Stefan away from it for many years. But a 2016 trip to South Africa rekindled his passion, and in 2022, he was named one of Australasia's top emerging photographers, in particular for his architecture work. He's still very keen on remaining an amateur photographer for now, but does have designs on going full-time at some point in the future. We talk about the camera he lost in Sydney Harbour, his dislike of social media, and how he sees the world, along with a lot more. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, Stefan. Welcome to Landscape Photography World. How are you going? Very good, thank you, Grant. How are you? Yeah, I'm pretty good, pretty good. It's been a, uh, a good and very productive day for me. How about yourself? Yeah, busy day. Um, got a full-time job, but um, yeah, so it's a, a bit crazy at the moment approaching to Christmas. But um, yeah, no, it was it was okay today. Thank you for having me in your podcast. It's very nice. That's a, a, a great pleasure. I I love your work, and uh, that's why I asked you on because uh, I've I've been following you for quite some time, and uh, I think. You know, you've you've got some remarkable work both in landscape and some of the stuff you've shifted into with sort of fine art architecture. So I'm going to touch on both of those because uh, to me, architecture is still part of landscape. Yeah. <laughs> um, so talk talk to me a little bit about who you are, where you've come from, and uh, what what got you started in photography. Yeah, so I'm a bit of a generative photographer. I don't only do landscape i do as you said a bit of architecture um a bit of everything originally from france i moved to sydney in 2005 mm-hmm. initially for a year that's what i told my parents when i left <laughs> <laughs> never came back so i've been here i think what is it 17 17 years now yeah and i think my photography story would be pretty similar to many other people uh, it's something that has always been in a family. My, my dad is a film photographer. Obviously, back then, was on um, film. Yeah, so it's, I've always been sort of, there's, there's always been a camera hanging around in, in the house. And um, sure. my dad had a, a dark room set up in the, in, the, in the house, so he could develop his own black and white photography. Yep. So I remember as a kid, I, I was allowed to touch anything, but I was allowed to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it was quite a fascinating process to to see like this imaging you know all those trays and chemicals and you see the image appear and so that that's yeah i've always sort of been in contact with photography and then with my brother and sisters we we had our own little put and shoot camera so we could take our own little photos yep. to give us some roles and you know we check some photos i don't think they were very good but it was yeah it was it was nice to, to take our own, um, our own photos and then i started to it was hard to learn photography Probably harder than now because we didn't we didn't have the resources that are available now. Of course, there was no internet. That's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> so if you wanted to learn 
photography, you had to be with books or with another photographer, but also on films, you can't see what you're doing. You take a photo, you try some settings, but you can't see the results. So it was a yeah, bit- You don't know what you uh, get until you yeah. uh, get it developed. Yeah, exactly. So I've never really learned properly, but I always had a, a camera for traveling. So I had a little SLR camera for, for traveling and then got a DSLR when it started to come out, basic one. But then I, I also lost touch with photography when I actually moved here for okay. maybe 10 years or so because I, I do many other things and I had other priorities. I got involved in, in triathlon, so I was spending pretty much my life really training. It was almost a, a part-time job. After. <laughs> uh, so I didn't have much time for photography. And then I started again when we, we went to South Africa, I think it was 2015 or 16. And I knew I was going to see a lot of wildlife in, in Kruger Park. So I bought a little, um, one of those hybrid cameras from uh, okay. yep. from Canon. So it's because I need a big zoom because obviously a phone doesn't, you know, doesn't do a totally good job for, for that kind of stuff. So those little hybrid cameras, they, they're quite fun. Actually, they have a really good zoom. The quality is, is okay for $400 camera and yeah, yeah so I had, I had lots of fun is that sort of sparked the passion again really yeah so that's how I started again so first thing I, I did when I came back from South, uh, South Africa is buy a new new camera yep a DSLR which I threw uh, dumped in the harbor four days later <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> um, which yeah that definitely wasn't my finest moment but um, yeah I uh, remember went back to the shop say remember that ATD, you sold me a week ago. Well, I need another one. <laughs> <laughs> was it insured? Uh, yeah. So I discovered, because um, I'm really bad with that kind of admin things, I discovered my credit card actually had an insurance. Oh, nice. And um, I didn't think it was going to work, but I gave him a call and the lady I spoke to was really nice. She's like, yeah, it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> they gave me my money back and I got a new camera. But yeah. That's fantastic. I guess having it only four days really probably helped in that regard. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I mean, I laugh now, but I wasn't laughing at the time. But, um, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was in Lavender Bay because um, I live nearby. I, was, I just wanted to try. I remember I had a cheap tripod, turned around to grab something in my bag, and I heard it splash. I didn't actually think immediately that was my camera because there's a lot of dogs around, you know, people yep, yep. play and I thought it was a, a dog jumping in the water and I turn around and my camera's not there and I, I look in the water and I see tripod legs sticking out. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't too, yeah, that wasn't great. Talk to me a bit about why you moved to Australia. What prompted that that shift? So my sister's been here for longer than, I, than I've been. Mm-hmm. So I came here a couple of times on holiday Decided uh, looked pretty good. <laughs> so yeah, so decided... it's got it's got some advantages. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. So I came for a year, and initially I really thought it was going to be a year, but you know, Sydney is a pretty amazing city. Um, so I managed to stay for work. So, yeah. Fantastic. So in terms of your photography, what style you, you've changed your style uh, even since I've been following you over the last couple of years. What do you see as, I guess, the the direction that style is taking for you? And I'm, I'm interested in a little bit around the motivation for the shift. I think I try to simplify things a lot more. Mm. Um, I think I try to keep my image very simple. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think when, when people start um, and when I started, I think I made the same sort of mistake is we try to put everything as much as we can in the frame. Yeah, you want the widest angle and you want everything, yeah. Yeah, that's right, especially with landscape. You have a wide angle, put it on and try to really put it as much as you can in the frame and then you look at the photo and you sort of don't understand it because you don't know where to look. Yeah, yeah. Um, So that's something I've sort of discovered as I learned photography is to really simplify things and have a clear clear sort of story of what I want Mm. the viewer to see. So um, if I wanted to... If I want to be able to see a particular particular area of the photo, I'm to make sure I capture it that way, but I also edit it that way. Um, yeah. To to really keep keep things into I think the simpler the, the better. Cool. And I guess do you set yourself goals in your photography? And if so, what what are they? Yes. So I usually I usually have goals for pretty much everything I everything I do. That's what keeps me motivated. Photography really depends what kind of photography I'm, um, I'm shooting because I do a lot of different genres of photography. 
but the, the main goal is to really try to get to, to improve and to get better and better. I don't do this like it's a complete hobby for me. I don't do that commercially or anything. So for yep. me, it's just um, the only goal is to see how far I can go and how good I can get my, my um, yeah, I, uh, if I can really improve the standard of my photography to a really, really good level. Yeah, yeah, that's the main goal, and also the main goal is to have fun, really enjoy it. Because I do this as a as a hobby, I only do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so the yeah the main goal is to challenge myself, stay stimulated, find new ideas, and um, and then try to to really improve. Yeah. I guess one of the things I ask quite a bit is where you made that realization that your photography could be more creative than just as you, as you say you've got your wide angle lens and you're taking the whole scene and where did that thinking start and how did that process work for you it's starting it started with competitions okay because when i started photography i sort of discovered instagram at the same time which was probably the worst thing that could happen <laughs> uh so because I came back from that trip to South Africa, I had lots of photos of wildlife and things like this. And I had friends on Instagram wanted to share my photos with my friends. I created an account and then you sort of, you know, see photos popping up and, and discover all of things and sort of got trapped into this this game. And I, I see photography almost like as a as a video game where oh, I was wow. yeah. um, like a little it's like a mini world within the world of photography, which mm-hmm. is quite restrictive if you worry too much about what other people think because yep. you tend to shoot what other people do. And I got trapped into this for a while. And then when I entered my first um, big competition was the um, the Focus Award. Okay. Uh, yep. You know, the Focus Australia group, they, they used yep. to run the Focus Award and um, they haven't done since COVID started. Hmm. Um, and I don't think they have a plan to, to do them again for, for a while. But that was my first competition. And that was probably a few years after I started to take photos and you know when you read on Instagram every day someone tells you that your photos are amazing and you know Instagram is is a bit like that yep and so I'm thinking of competition I'm like oh this is good I'm gonna enter that competition my photos are apparently amazing so that's great (laughs) (laughs) and then that was a big eye-opener for me because that's when I realized that I was nowhere near yeah, you, you could start to see what the the standard level required was. Yeah, yeah, and and people winning those competitions, they don't win competition with a sunrise of the opera house that's been seen a thousand times. They come up with something different and more creative and a lot more thinking. And so for me, that was a real, real new start of my photography is to realize that I needed to stop worrying about what I was seeing on Instagram and worry more about what I was seeing outside of Instagram and, and really think about sure. being creative. So that that's where the shift really happened. Um, pretty pretty brutally because well I'm a bit of a competitor. So I don't like losing. So when <laughs> when I um, met too many people that do. <laughs> yeah, you know that's true. But um, because you know I had this fake idea of where that I was a little bit delusional of where my photography was really sure, sure. Um, because I had never got any proper feedback other than on Instagram and you never get any negative feedback on Instagram. So um, it was a, yeah, it was a good eye opener actually. And I'm really glad I, I did that. And I pretty much the next day when I got the results, I'm like, okay, I need to change something. Mm-hmm. I studied the photos of the, you know, the top 10, top 20. And what was really interesting is all these, these people, at the top of the pointing of the competition, very little of them actually had a very active Instagram account. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, some of them had very, like, had an updated account for like six months or something like this. And yeah. so it really, for me, it was an opener that photography was happening elsewhere and I needed to find that. Yeah. That, that's what, yeah. So that's, that's, that's what I've been focused on since. And I think that's why my photography has improved quite a lot in the last couple of years. Yeah. Did you seek out advice from anyone? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I tried to contact some of the winners uh, yeah. of that competition. It was a bit complicated because they don't really have a big presence on social media, but mm. I found a few and I got tips on courses to do. And, um, yeah, so I spent a lot of energy on, on courses and to relearn properly because everything I had done so far was just by myself looking at a bit of stuff on YouTube and that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I needed to really... 
um, learn properly, start again from scratch, pretty much. Yeah. So, and and these guys are really helpful. You know, they, the photography community is usually pretty friendly. So you ask questions, people ask you. They're very happy to point you to a course they've done themselves or do some sort of articles they need to read. Yeah, yeah. I think I think to be honest, that's something that is nice about the the well, call it an industry, a community, whatever you like. But I think most people are fairly willing to share some of their experience you know some of them will make you pay for it i guess but you know <laughs> so there, there are others that are, are quite willing to sort of talk to people and help mentor them into the the creative processes that are required to to improve the standard of your work that's i think one of the important things about the community and getting people into it and getting people encouraged as opposed to I'm going to protect all my information, it's, it's my personal IP, I'm not going to, not going to let anyone know. So I, I think that openness is, uh, is really something that helps the overall community grow uh, as well. Yeah, definitely. And, and also without giving all your secret out, you can give pointers and direction on, on what to, where to look and what to start. So that's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what sort of tips were you looking for, compositional or technical? Yeah, I mean, I think I needed to, to start from scratch again to really sure. learn, yeah, about composition, about what is a good photo, what makes a good photo, and that's why I've simplified because someone told me one day that every photo needs to have a hero and a supporting cast. And that's for me something that is already printed in my head every time I, I take a photo, I'm looking for my hero and my supporting cast. And yep. and that's it. You don't need to have many, many other elements. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a big ensemble. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. Yeah. It can be a, a very simple, um a very simple story. So and that's what I, I really focus on every time is to really have a clear view of what it is I want to to show rather than having everything in the frame. That was a good direction. I also needed some good editing guidance um, because I had really no no idea. So I did a proper um, editing course, Lightroom, Photoshop, um, because YouTube is good and has its place, but I think to, to do a proper course gives you a, a proper structure. Um, yeah, yeah. Things happen in the right order. So yeah, really and I, I, I think that aspect of things doing things in the right order because you know a change to contrast can affect your colors and so forth so you know you've got to do certain things and also particularly if you're working with layers um you know doing high pass filters and then say changing the perspective of the image will leave artifacts if you haven't done that across all of the layers or if you haven't merged layers for example so there's there's a lot of things that i think you know you need to understand about how the the products work in the first place but also in terms of building a workflow i think that's it, it's absolutely vital that you kind of get that workflow grounding and uh, and understand that yeah so that's what i was definitely lacking um that kind of understanding and and a proper structure um, yeah, so, to, so that's the kind of direction that I, that I got from, um, from more experienced people. Yeah, cool. Um, in terms of planning your shoots, are you conceiving an idea around what it is that you want to bring to into the image before you go out, or are you more getting out and exploring the the options that are there on the ground when you when you actually get in the field? Um, so that will depend on what I uh, what I shoot. If I shoot landscape, it's probably the one type of photography that I sh- that plan I plan the least. Okay. Um, because part of landscape photography for me is to get out, enjoy the sunrise, the sunset, or sure, wherever sure. I am. So enjoy the, the the scenery, relax, not worry about anything. You know, sometimes I will sit in the rock, and then I might even forget to get my camera out because I'm mm. just sort of watching what's around. So, so I do basic planning, like all the common sense things like where I'm going, access, how long it's going to take me to get to the place, sure, sure. this could be high tide or tide, that, that kind of things. But I don't really have, unless it's a spot I've been before where I sort of know more, more to expect. But if it's a location that I don't know that well, uh, I won't really have a clear 
plan or a clear shot in my head because with landscape, you also there's so many things that you can't control. Um, yeah. yeah. Even if you have a shot in mind, you get there and then you're disappointed because either you know it's too windy, there's a too much play out in the wrong place or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I have a yeah, I have a vague idea of why I'm going to that location, but nothing more than this. And then I I watch a lot more until I see something that I want to capture. And that, that's also a different approach that when I started, and I think everyone does that when you start, is get your location, get the camera out, and then shoot like as like a maniac, you know, like. <laughs> um, I was yeah, really home with a thousand, thousands Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Come back home with 600 photos, hoping there will be a good one, and you didn't have a, a clear plan. But um, yeah. now I might go home with, you know, 40 shots because I, tend to really observe a lot more and if I don't see what I want sometimes I won't get the camera up and, and yeah. so what about the uh, more structured images the that that shift into the that sort of fine art architecture in particular uh, where you know you, you your style as I say is quite different to your your fairly typical landscape style um where where are you in terms of that planning and how you've sort of uh worked through the workflow for for building one of those shots do you yes. again uh, it sounds to me like you've got a, a much better conceptual idea about what it is that you you're looking for there yeah so those shots are definitely planned them quite a lot so so yeah so this one is a completely different approach especially if it's in a location where I can go multiple times, if, it, if I'm shooting architecture in Sydney yep. or, or not far. I'll, these, these ones, I always have a really clear idea of what, what it is that I want. Um, I've got the photo in my head. And that, yep. that's, um, so that's very different. Um, I'll usually discover those locations. I do a fair bit of running. So when I run around the city, it's a really good, good opportunity for me to discover new things that you don't yeah, necessarily yeah. when you drive around. Or, um, so usually we'll start with something I notice and then I will stop and take a quick snap with my phone so I don't forget the locations because there's, there's so many that I, I forget. So I've got in my phone, I've got location shots and then um, then I wait for the right condition. Um, but sometimes I don't. So if it's a tricky building where I need to check access mm-hmm. compositions, because when you see a building sometimes, it looks good, but then with your eyes, you don't necessarily, you don't necessarily realize that there's cables in front, there's trees, or there's a whole sort of stuff that might not work for composition. So sometimes it's not too far. Even the conditions aren't good. I go with my camera and I work at the composition, mm-hmm. and then I take a few photos that so then I can go go home, put in Photoshop, do a quick sketch of what what it is that I want to make sure that it works. And I also do that because sometimes the conditions that I need don't last very long. So yeah. if I go there, the conditions are perfect, and then I start to find the right composition, and then when I'm ready, then the sun comes out, and then I've got massive reflection in the building, and then that, that, that's it, I'm done. So if I can, I try to go multiple times. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then usually for those shots, I need the I need the softest light I can. So yeah, right. Um, overcast. Yeah, overcast is good because it's like a big soft box. I don't have any reflection, anything like this. I can take the shot because after that, I sort of it's all dodging and burning. So then I can decide yeah, right. what I want to reveal and, and hide. And usually, when I see a building, that's what I'm trying to identify straight away. Is looking for pattern lines, area of the building that are more interesting than others. Yeah. So once it once it's shot, got a completely sort of very flat images, and then that's yeah. when I can start to to edit. Yeah. Okay. So in in terms of those images, are you where, where's your starting point? Is it the concept that you've got in your head? Is it the style that you're going to edit? Is it the subject matter? Which, which bit sort of comes together first to, to give you the, the idea, I guess, to, to generate that, that image? Usually it's the, it's the building that I see. So, um, yeah, I, I see, I tend to, yeah, I tend to discover those shots when I run, and I sort of run almost through. I look live through a viewfinder these days, where <laughs> I look and I also automatically, yeah, yeah, like see, oh, that would be a good frame, that would be good. Uh, uh, but so it's always a, a building because, especially now in Sydney, there's a lot of new ones that are popping up with really interesting 
Yeah, some interesting architecture going on there. Yeah, some interesting lines, just some patterns. So that that's the start. So I, and then I I sort of decide what area would be nice to actually highlight. And so that that's the starting point, and that's what I have it, I have in my head. Uh, yeah. And then it's sort of my editing, but they they take a while to edit. So I need to be in the right mindset for that because if I'm not prepared to spend lots of time, I'm going to take shortcuts, and then uh, the results would be. Pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. yeah, the quality suffers if you if you're taking those shortcuts. Yeah, yeah, because it relies a lot on very precise masking. Yep. So I use a lot of paint tool. So it could take me sometimes two days to do the masking that I want, depending on how complicated wow. okay. the building is. And then, so the, the principle is quite simple, but to actually edit properly takes quite a while. Yeah, yeah. So in in terms of that, I'm I'm interested in what you said about the the, the time taken to actually create the the mask. Are you using luminosity values, color values, or a mix of the two? It it depends on every image is different. It, it really depends on how um, some buildings are easier than others. If they have really lots of square lines, and then I shot them on a day where I could play a clear background. Mm-hmm. That makes the masking a lot easier. I also tend to try to be very careful when I shoot because um, I've made a few mistakes where some sometimes I could have moved the meter to the right and I would avoid the tree in front of the line where yeah, right. it has to mask out or clone out. So I'm very careful of that when I shoot now. So it really depends on on um, on the image. I'm a bit lazy, so I try to do the simple things first. Try to get luminosity mask, yep, yep. colors, or anything that gives me a shout mask but sometimes you just have to use the paint tool yeah yeah not very enough contrast so in terms of the images themselves are you trying to to create something unique or something that's distinctive and recognizable in in that genre well for those images usually it's trying to give a different view of those uh, particular buildings. Yeah, so it's it's a it, it's a familiar site but you're giving it a very different take yeah, because sometimes when you really see those buildings, you can see the patterns, but when you look with your eyes, they're in color, um, and then they can look a bit flat or something. So I'm trying to really give a different view and highlights mm. uh, what I think is the most interesting part of the of the building. Sometimes it's the shape, sometimes it's uh, yeah, the pattern, sometimes it's the surrounding. But it's um, yeah, I'm just trying to give to really highlight what I think is the most important part of this particular building. Yeah, okay. So for your photography in general, and whether it's landscape or the, the, the fine art architecture, how would you define success for your photography? Uh, I think the most important thing is if I'm happy with, if I'm happy with my image, uh, if I, especially for those architecture shots, if I manage to uh, produce the image exactly how I imagine it, mm-hmm. and that's good success. Yeah, I mean that that's pretty much it for me because it, it's really a hobby that I do just to challenge myself. And so if I'm happy with what I've done, if I've done what I had in my head, then I'm really happy with it. Then the next point of success might be if I enter them in a competition and they have they do really well, then that's obviously quite a quite a nice reward as well. Yeah, sure, sure. Very interested in that. I guess the, the the lifestyle choice and how you manage your time in terms of taking the time for photography and editing and and so forth. How do you balance full time work and your photography? Well, full time work and photography would be would be okay, but I do many other stuff. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm quite time poor. Luckily, I don't need to sleep that much, so that, that's good. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's all prioritizing. So there are time of the year where I spend more time on photography because it's time where all of a sudden the conditions are perfect, or I've lined up some some shoot with people, that kind of thing. So I will focus more on this and and less on the other stuff. But it's always a constant sort of battle to compromise, and, mm. and also because I like to do everything I do. I try to do it the best I can. It's always a bit of a stressful balance because if I spend a lot of time on photography, then sure, my photography is going to improve and that's great, but all the other stuff, I'm not... Yeah, everything else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because, yeah, 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 I'm quite 
got lots of hobbies. <laughs> Fair enough. In terms of shooting, you obviously shoot quite a bit about around Sydney. Do you travel much for photography or is it more I'm going on holiday so I'm going there anyway and I'll just take the camera? I've done a few road trips by myself down the south coast or I went yep. to Perth just before lockdown. I went to, to Perth. Mm -hmm. I think I came back two days before WA was closed for like six months or something. Uh -huh. so <laughs> that could have been a long road trip. But yeah, so but other than that, I usually yeah, we my wife and I we go on holiday and then I take obviously the, the camera half of my luggage is always camera gear. Yeah, no, I, so we I take photos when we're on holiday and then occasionally I do a couple of trips by myself. Deliberate trips, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I go for a couple of days. If I, I might go inland or I might go down the south coast. Um, I've spent a fair bit um, of time in Newcastle recently because we just got yep. a, a place there, so we spend a bit of time i don't really i mean the last couple of years traveling was not necessarily the easiest but um, yeah it's, a, it's been a, it's been a challenge to travel yeah exactly but um so i went to europe last year for christmas i took my camera uh but it was it was winter so it wasn't ideal because the days are very short yeah 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 mind you you don't have to get up quite so early for sunrise <laughs> no that was true yeah yeah sunrise was at like nine o'clock i think or something ridiculous yeah. and then sunset at four <laughs> I, I made the mistake of going to the uk in uh in june and july and uh yeah getting up for those uh 4 a.m sunsets was <laughs> a real killer yeah yeah, yeah that's hard yeah. in terms of locations have you got a favorite spot that just keeps calling you back and if so why no i, I don't think i do i mean there's a few no. spots in sydney that i like to go to uh, mostly because it's it's just nice to be out there anyway um like i like the northern beaches i used to live down there so i know know the area quite well i, I like going there uh, but i actually haven't shot in sydney for quite a while um, okay. because i feel not that i've you know, shot everything I needed to shoot, to shoot in Sydney, but um, I just need to be able to break from from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, there's, there's a few. Uh, now I'm starting to have a new project coming in my head in Sydney that, oh, I actually haven't been there or there for quite a while. Yeah, okay. But I don't really have a, I don't really have a favourite location. No. Okay, so there's nowhere that just keeps drawing you back that you've got to, got to keep shooting or you haven't quite nailed yet? No, I get... Um, no, I, I actually don't really like shooting the same location and again and again and again. But yeah. I've done that quite a lot at the at the start. I, I I can't remember how many sunrises of the Opera House I took, <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think I need to probably shoot another one for a very long time because I feel yeah. like you know, I've, I've done that and I'm trying to focus on on something a little bit different. But there are definitely lots of new buildings in in Sydney that I'd like to, yeah. to shoot. Cool. What's the most memorable experience you've had while uh, out shooting? I'm not sure. I mean, I just came back from a trip in South Africa mm -hmm. and we were really lucky with all the, the animals that we got to see. So that was quite special sometime. We spent about half an hour with the cheetah pretty much by ourselves. And wow. it was really nice. So that was that was a good experience. But, yeah, I've got lots of, lots of good memories. I don't think I have a particular one that comes to mind, but... Sure, sure. How about uh, other than losing your uh, camera in the in the harbour? Have you got any horror stories? No, I think this one was definitely <laughs> definitely the the bad one. Uh, that was the worst. Yeah. No, I dropped a few. I dropped a few lenses. I dropped a few filters. I mean, you know, that's everyone. Everyone does it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's really annoying when that happened. Uh, but I don't really have massive horror stories like i've never really hurt myself or that's a good thing <laughs> yeah i got close a few times on that you know that green stuff on the rocks this is yeah, yeah, yeah. deadly uh, <laughs> deadly uh, deadly thing but you know I've, I've never really had any any big problems other than yeah breaking occasionally a couple of yeah fair enough what do you think you've learned about the world through photography i, I don't know if i learned anything about the world from photography, but I think photography brings me back down to a sort of a happy place. Because mm -hmm. when you look at the world right now, it's it's not really, yeah, the, the, not really going not, well. Right. There's some not so great news going around. 
Um, exactly. Yeah, things aren't really going terribly well. The world is is going a little bit mad, which is quite sort of depressing a little bit. But the photography brings me back to to a little pocket of goodness in the world that you know, like oh, actually, you know, it's not it's not all bad. <laughs> it's not, it's nice. It's nice. Even yeah, it, it's like the planet is beautiful. There's many many really nice places to go to and to discover and. Um, but the world we built on top at the moment is, is probably yeah, yeah. not ideal. Do you prefer photographing alone or with other people? Uh, usually by myself. Yeah, usually by myself because, well, it, I mean, it depends. I don't mind shooting with another person or two um, because we can we don't have to be in each other's space. Yep. Shooting in groups I find quite frustrating. Okay. Because... There's always someone in your shot. There's always a guy that's going to, you know, go at the front. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I try to stay away from, from group. And then it has happened occasionally where I go. Uh, I remember last time I went to um, um, the Narabin pool and then what's the beach next to it? It's... Um, Taramata. Yeah. And I went there and I think there was a workshop or something, like 40 yeah. people. And so I, I just went somewhere else because I find it... Um, because if I shoot landscape, I want to enjoy the place. I, that's that's why I shoot landscape. Yeah, it's, it's get less enjoyable sometimes when there's a lot of people around. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just enjoy the calmness, sitting on the rock, quiet. Um, so when then when there's forty tripods around, it's it's just kills the kills the mood a little bit for me. So I try to yeah try to shoot by myself, and also sometimes I can take a very long time shoot things because I might not leave until I get I want. So. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's better that I'm by myself so I don't really yeah sure so what happens when you've uh, been out you've got your shot and uh, you come back home are you uh, taking the card out putting it straight onto the computer getting into editing or is that something that you take a lot more time with and get get back to it at a later date um, so I, if I can I usually like to look at the photos straight away Mm-hmm. So I download them onto the computer. I'm always a little bit paranoid as well with cards. Um, yep. so I don't like having photos hanging in my cards for too long in the camera, especially if it's something I, can, I can't shoot again. Like when we um, were in South Africa shooting that wildlife, took all those photos of that cheetah, I know that I probably won't spend another half an hour with, <laughs> with a cheetah ever again. So I had my laptop in the car put them straight away in the laptops. At least I had a copy. Yeah, right. Because uh, I'm a little bit, yeah. And I, I, I could actually shoot the two cards, but I don't. But yeah, so I put them on the computer, so I have them, and I go go through them really quickly. Um, just I remove all the stuff that I know I'm never going to use. Uh, yep. And then I, I give them a quick grade. So I use Lightroom as a catalog. So I just um, yeah, okay. go, go through everything that potentially has a bit of interest. I start at three. So I go three and then I go through the threes again, go yep. four and then go five and then the five are the ones that I go to first. And then I might leave them for a very long time. Yeah. Um, I've okay. got shots that I think I did a New Zealand trip before COVID that I still haven't looked really. <laughs> uh, I think I have edited yeah, maybe 10 photos out of probably 200 that I kept. So I don't know. Uh, so yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I can leave them for a very long time because I think I've got to be in the right mindset to edit the right photo. Like, you know, sometimes yeah. I don't feel like editing a landscape photo. I prefer to. Sometimes you forget. And then also, I think leaving, leaving the photo sit for a while helps you when you look at them again. You look at them with fresh eyes and yep. you, you can see actually there's problems. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, you know, sometimes going back, and I've, I've got years worth of. Uh, photos on the hard drive and going back, you know, a few years. I actually posted one uh, the other day, which was uh, an old, from an old point and shoot from, I think, about 2002, 2003. <laughs> um, I was at the Sunrise. That you, I, saw, I saw that Sunrise. Yeah, the oh, yeah. Town of Jarvis Bay, yeah. And yeah. it was just one I went through and, oh, haven't seen that one for a long time. And yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mind it. <laughs> it's... No, it's a good photo. It's a good photo. But that's the thing that we sometimes forget about, you know, old photos. And I often look at old folders and some photos that you at the time didn't think were really good. Actually, look them again and say, oh, actually, that's a pretty good photo. And yeah, 
start editing them or yeah um, so I, I do I do that quite a lot yeah I love finding those uh, those little hidden gems that you uh, occasionally come up with and yeah, or or even ones that you might have edited before, and you you go back and re-edit. Are there any particular ones that you've done that with? Uh, I've done one actually this week. I actually just shared it this week. Is the photo of a lighthouse, the Macquarie Lighthouse? You know? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, so that's something I did a couple of years ago, and I wasn't really happy with it. I mean, that's definitely a bit of a fancy edit on that one. <laughs> uh, just a bit, <laughs> <laughs> and I was never really happy with it because it's one of those photos that it's one of those projects that I had in my head at the time I shot it yeah. and I did it too quick and I've ne- I was never really happy with it. And then I was, I found it by mistake this week. I was looking for something else and like, Oh yeah, I forgot about this one. And I got stuck into it pretty much started almost from scratch again. Um, yeah. And I think this time I'm a bit happier with it. So it yeah, I, I, I think you got pretty close to nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Anything looks good on, on the small screen, though. I think yeah, that, that's all right. <laughs> yeah, there's still a couple of things that, because I'll have it here on my screen and I'm looking at it like, oh, I didn't notice this. So maybe I'll have to do a third version of it. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, do, I do revisit sometimes sometime photos. And also sometimes you look at your edit and you think, oh, what I would. What, I was, what was I thinking? Exactly. <laughs> or, or even things like really bad mistakes, like the horizon is skewed or something like that. Yeah, you haven't 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 got rid of all the dust spots. Yeah, you can, you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that really really annoying dust spots. In in looking at presentation, do you print much of your work? Uh, yes, I do have a printer at home, so I do print a fair bit, and then it's also something I like doing because it really forces you to pay attention to details. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's what I like because that the spot, for example, there's nothing more annoying than printing and then and then look at the printing. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's a big splodge that I... Exactly. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so I like printing. And what I like is also finding the right media for the right photo. That's also a good exercise. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. Printing is difficult. To get, especially black and white, you've got to have the black. With the black, you don't want to print with uh, a cast. Sometimes, uh, yeah, come yeah. a bit of a magenta cast. So, um, it's always. A bit yeah, I, I call printing a bit of a black art in a, in mm. and of itself. And uh, I, I was talking to somebody uh, last week who said it's kind of like learning your editing process from scratch mm. again because you've the the way that you edit for the screen and for particularly the small screen you can get away with a lot more as you say on a on a small screen because those dust spots aren't really going to show up necessarily yeah. whereas when you're printing particularly in a in a large format you've really got to pay as you say pay attention to that detail yeah she was just saying that it's uh, it, it is literally like learning photoshop from scratch <laughs> yeah i mean it's a completely different Edit also because we look at photos on screen, they're backlit, so everything looks yeah. nice and bright. And then you print it, it's obviously a, a flat media. It also depends where it's going to be, in what room, what light, if it's going to be under warm light or bright light. Yeah. So, is um, it going to have glass over the top of it, or if it's on an acrylic, is it going to reflect and all that sort of thing? Yeah. Exactly. And that's why I don't sell prints <laughs> 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 because it's such a headache every time. Yeah, so I try not. I try not to because I, I found that because I'm a bit of a perfectionist. So I would feel really uncomfortable selling a print that I haven't checked. Yeah, happy with. But for me to be happy with the print, then I'm going to spend a lot of time trying to get the photo ready, get it get it perfect, and then um, so before you know, you spent you know four hours preparing a, a photo, and then you've paid your printer and a framer, and then you've yeah, the, the return on investment isn't there. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, yeah, no, so I don't really, if I had a dollar every time people ask me for a print, I would be, I would be very rich. But you know, <laughs> people, people always ask. They never actually buy a print. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I keep getting the occasional, uh, I'd love a print of that. And so you go, yeah, okay, here's where you can go. I've even got a print shop, you know. Yeah. You, you can buy prints off me. And uh, you send them the link and then they don't buy and you never hear from them again. You know? Exactly. It happens all the time. So I think now 
my answer is often no, I, I don't sell prints. So because the result <laughs> the result is the same at the end of right. the print anyway. So <laughs> you've got <the> less effort. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, the only time I sell print is when I like for I've done it a few times for charity events where sure, sure. things. And it's a lot easier because I can take the time to do the print and I I decide what I want to print on and then I give yep. the print and so that's a lot easier, uh, much yeah. easier process. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever hit a creative wall? And if so, how did you handle it? So not a creative wall as in I don't want to shoot or I don't know what to shoot and I'm a bit lost and I don't know what to do. Uh, yeah. But I've, I'm definitely in a constant creative overflow, which is just as bad as a creative wall because <laughs> I have so many projects, so many ideas. Yeah. Um, my computer is full of sketches and notes that I take on my phone. And, and it's, it's, it's almost as bad as not knowing what to do because I've got so many ideas and so many projects that I'm so little time that I get frustrated because um, I don't get them done. So, yeah, um, yeah. yeah so, so that's, um, I think it's just as bad as a, as a creative role um, because some of the shots are quite ambitious. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I need specific locations, specific people, Especially if I start working with um with like portraiture, like if I work with dancers or artists or something like this, yep, it's, a, yep. it's a lot of planning, um, and I've got lots and lots and lots of ideas and lots of projects. Even the architecture, not enough time. So that's um that's just as frustrating, I think, because yeah, I I just want to get them done. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you need to uh, give up work so you can go. Yeah, and... yeah. Well, that's the that's the plan in uh relatively short times we have a plan to at least slow down and um yeah i'll have more time in the next next 12 months i think i'm gonna really slow down and work so i'll have more time yeah nice nice what do you see is the biggest challenge facing photographers right now um i think i mean for me as a no matter photographer i don't really have any challenges because i do pretty much what I like to do and what I don't like to do. I don't, um, so I don't really have any any challenges. But I think for somebody who's trying to make a living out of it or survive in the industry, I think the most challenging is probably to stand out somehow from from a, a growing field of imposters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of people who have been taking photos for five minutes and self-nominate themselves as, you know, the king of yeah. photography and try to get in the industry. Don't last necessarily very long, but really devalue photography and contribute to the fact that people think photography is easy. And I think, yeah, I've had a few conversations with, with professional photographers who've been in the industry for 20 years and they they really start to feel that clients are starting to question, you know, the, because a lot of clients don't necessarily understand also what a photographer really is. Yeah. They yeah. feel like, well, you're charging me this for a day, but I've got... Yeah, well, you just turn up and push a button, you know. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much what a lot of people think. But also, that's quite a lot of what some photographers think as well to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, sure, when they sure. think, oh, I'm going to get into the industry of photography because it's nice, I like taking photos and... but. Being a photographer obviously is different. You've got to have a vision. You've got to have the ability to solve problems, and that comes with experience. And it takes a long time to do this. So I think that's one of the challenges that people in industry are facing more and more because there's a lot more photographers that probably should learn photography a little bit longer before they yeah before they get into yeah. it yeah yeah because yeah, I found photography it's sort of kind of easier to fake it to some extent. Yeah. more than you know you can't really fake being an elite athlete for example you know the clock doesn't lie if you can't run a marathon under under two hours and 15 minutes well you're not you can't pretend to be oh, an elite God. athlete but with photography there's always it's very subjective yeah. ways to get around sort of yeah faking it a bit more so i think that's that's why the industry is a bit of a of a, of a flooded with Mm. this and it, it's very it must be also very difficult for clients to find somebody how do you if you don't know much about photography how do you find you know the good one from the from the bad ones so, yeah how do you find the right photography for yeah. you yeah so i think that's one of the of the big challenge and um and also possibly there's so many images available everywhere that people tend to try to buy images that already exist rather than organizing their own shooting and yeah yeah 
Oh, I mean, I say buy probably steal more than more than buy. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I've I've seen plenty of examples where people have just uh, picked up somebody else's work without any kind of attribution, even you know. So it's yeah. not even like you're getting any kind of exposure. Yeah. Um, plus all the other ones where they say, oh yeah, we'll 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 give you exposure. You know, well I can't eat exposure and uh, I can't spend exposure. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there's um. Yeah, there's a lot of um, industries that do that. They they contact you and say, "Oh, we'll use your photo and we'll credit your name." Yeah. No, and and I I always say no because I mean I, I don't mind because I'm not trying to to make money out of my photography, but I don't want it because if I say yes, then I'm sort of stealing the work of somebody who actually tried to make a living out of it. So I really, yeah. I really yeah. yeah. Where do you see the future of photography going? I think it depends on what sort of um, genres of photography. I'm not too sure about landscape. I think landscape photography will always exist because well, you can't really use a machine to generate a, a landscape that doesn't exist. Where in, in product photography, for example, there's a lot more uh, computer-generated images, that, that kind of things. That, But I think photography, yeah, I think for landscape, that kind of stuff, I, I think it will still exist because even if there's a a general move to videos on social media because that's what the trend is. Yep. I think there will still be a market or a place for for still images. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it, it's been challenging for a lot of people to look at the direction, say, Instagram has taken and, you know, that's sort of seen a bit of a resurgence in Vero, for example. That shift towards TikTok-like video has, has put a lot of people offside, but I think Instagram's also kind of realised that there's a bunch of unhappy customers there. I don't know if they're customers or products, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think they're more users, and I think that's why that's why the... I think that's where the confusion is a little bit. A lot of photographers got really upset with the new changes that Instagram mm. made and, and people saying, oh, photo, um, Instagram doesn't care about photographers but, anymore. But Instagram never really cared about photographers. They care about money. Yeah. You know, they they, care, they about, care about advertising dollars. That's, that's how they make their money. Exactly. So they don't promote... The best content they promote the content that is the most seen and whoever is doing right. whatever right. they want you to do um so yeah and and that's why i think photographers probably should worry a bit less about instagram and because there are other ways to get your job or your work seen mm. um yeah yeah i think there's definitely definitely many many other ways and as you said earlier on there's a lot of excellent photographers that are winning awards and with successful careers that have quite small yeah. or quite, I guess, less um, less frequent uh, social media profiles. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's almost like a different activity, different hobby. You, I think mm -hmm. you're either a photographer or a photogrammer. But, like, so, I mean, it's, I think... Um, if you really worry about your photography and if your work is really good, then there will be some exposure coming out of as a result from different channels than, than social media. Yeah. Um, and if you worry about followers and likes and that sort of thing, then it's a different it's a different sport. It's really a different Definitely. Yeah. Um, and it's you know, people need to do what, what they're happy to do. If they if they want to be an Instagrammer, then they should be. But I think it's it's a completely different world. Than, than, than photography, yeah. I think. Um, yeah. What's your favourite thing about being a photographer? My favourite thing is that I control it completely because it's not a job. I really do um, what I want to do. I only take the photos that I want to take. Yep. Um, so that, for me, that freedom of not having to worry about anything, the fact to be challenged because... Every project is a new challenge. I try to learn a few new things, so stay stimulated. So it's really, for me, it's like a, a completely, it's a little bubble where I can do really whatever whatever I like. Um, and that's why I never want to turn it into into a job or trying to make yeah. money out of it because the minute I do this, then I've got to compromise on, on what I shoot because if you're trying to shoot for money, then 
it becomes a question of do I take that photo that is a little bit risky, a little bit different that I might not sell, or do I do I do do I do stuff that I know sell? But in that yeah. case, then your creativity sort of suffers a little bit. So for me, the best thing is to really keep it as a hobby, and mm. uh, doesn't mean I can't do it seriously and try to be uh, really good at it. But I've removed any sort of pressure from that, and that's what I really like. Yeah. What's your least favorite thing about being a photographer? Um, social media. <laughs> <laughs> It is so, and, and I'm not saying that good things don't happen on social media. There's a lot of things that happen on social media, but sure. um, I think the bad really outweighs the good by quite a long, long way. Um, yeah. Kind of, I find it almost like I find it really weird how ingrained Instagram is into people's photography to the mm. point where it has become pretty much the only purpose for it. Um, I've had many conversations with people with, where they only take a photo if if they can post it on Instagram, if they think it's going to do well on Instagram, whatever whatever doing well on Instagram means. But, um, yeah, and that, that is, for me, probably the, the worst part of of being a photographer because you almost feel that sort of constant pressure of having to follow that trend or get onto the trend of, of something like this. Where I, I do use social media, but I only use them the way I want to use them. Yeah, sure. It's just a platform where I publish photos whenever I feel like, whatever I feel like, and then that's it. And then I don't even look at how many likes and that sort of stuff. I really don't. I'm not interested because it's just a publishing platform for my friends to see, my family, photographers I know, that sort of kind of circle. Um, anything else, if people like my stuff on Instagram, then they're very welcome to, to, <laughs> to stay for more if they want to. And, you know, the day they're not interested, they're also very welcome to go and, and follow someone else. But sure, sure. what I don't like is that kind of pressure. Now, I've, had, I've had people message me from uh, a few times saying, oh, I really like your landscape stuff, but I'm really not interested in your dance photography. So why don't you create a new account and separate the two so I can, you know, <laughs> I can really see <laughs> I what I want to do. put up with the stuff that I don't want. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I'm like, well, you know, that's this is what I do. I yeah. take lots of photos of many, many different things. My Instagram account is a giant bucket of stuff, and I have no intention of of changing this because I shoot for myself, and I am not going to ask someone I don't even even know <laughs> what, what I should shoot. You know, it's just um, yeah. So that that's the thing that I find uh, quite negative in in the. In the photography world, is how social media really impacts people's creativity because they worry, I think, too much about rewards and yeah, yeah. I think that you you made a good point though that people are, I, I guess, used to seeing something from somebody, and I I know myself, you know, I'll I'll post something uh that's a little bit different to my my usual seascapes which is i love doing you know don't get me wrong i love doing my seascapes i wouldn't do i I wouldn't post them i wouldn't uh do them otherwise uh but i also like as you said a lot of a lot of different things and so you know i'll i'll put up something that's a little bit different it might be an intimate scene of you know the forest floor or something in, in the blue mountains for example and you know you'll get comments back, not necessarily in public, but in DMs, as you say, you know, yeah. oh, why, why don't why don't you set up a, a, a separate account? Well, this is my account and this is what I'm doing, you know. Exactly. Because why, why should I do what you want me to do? <laughs> exactly. But what, um, what sometimes really I find really odd is you see people sometimes asking their followers what what they should shoot next or what they should post next. And you're yeah, always like the most cringe a little bit because like, you're the artist you're you should be saying this is my work and this is why i am as a photographer and then that's it but yeah i've never really understood that sort of pressure um, no, no. I, I don't understand the mentality of somebody coming along and saying well you know i i don't like this aspect of what you do as opposed i, I like i really like this that you do but i don't like that you know yeah. it's kind of like 
walking up to your your favorite uh, music artist and say, oh, "I really like your old stuff, but this new stuff is." <laughs> Yeah, exactly, and and you, you've got the the freedom to go and listen to to other stuff. As, well, that's as, it. Yeah, yeah, you don't um, have to you, you don't have to stay around, and if you if you don't like it, well, so what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, but I think that's why I think it's important to as a photographer, if you are a photographer, to to leave this behind and use social media as you want them to use, and not worry about whether you need to create some videos or that, that sort of thing. It doesn't do anything to your photography. And if you are really worried about exposure and promoting your work and sort of things, there are many, many different ways to, to do this uh, outside of social media. And if your work is really, really good, it's going to get noticed somehow. And yeah. I started to notice that a little bit with my own work and I'm nowhere near I want to be. And I'm still sort of learning photography, and maybe in five, yeah. seven years' time, I'll be in a, in a very different, different place. But I'm starting to get people contacting me and say, "Hey, I've seen that photo in that magazine or in that exhibition and stuff. Can we, can we use your photo for our own exhibition?" Like that, that sort of thing is completely outside of social media, and it's quite nice because yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not. I just let this kind of thing happen and if it happens it's nice it's always nice but i'm not actively trying to yeah and i think a lot of that stuff that is going to happen organically is better happening organically rather than you trying to force it and you trying to necessarily actively go out and spruik your work and 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 get people interested in it you know as you say if you if you're putting it out there and you're putting it into competitions or exhibitions and you know magazines may see it on social media and they pick it up you know they're they're the things certainly in in my own work i'm i'm most pleased with and most happy with is where somebody organically out of the blue just comes along and says i really like this can i use it for this you know yeah yeah no, that's good, but that can also only happen when your work reaches a certain sort of standard. And I think that's, Definitely, yeah. that, that's what I'm focusing on is really trying to get my photography to to a level where I'm really happy with because that will give me opportunities to have more access to venues or to people to do other yep. projects that I have, that, 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 that kind of thing. Because if I worry about my social media little world, then I'm only going to shoot and post what I know is going to do. Yeah, the stuff um, that will get your likes and get your followers, yeah. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And that's why I always sort of, when you hear people talking about being an artist, but then in the same breath, talking about producing content. Yep. And then for me, it's, it's two different things. You know, <laughs> if you're an artist, you worry about your creativity, you worry about your madness and do what you want to do. And yeah. but producing content has this flavor of performance and trying to get some numbers and that's um i mean it's two different games there's nothing really wrong with that it's just it's just different um yeah, different activities yeah I, I i totally totally agree with you on uh, on that and that difference between as you say art and content that they are two very different things yeah if you weren't sorry i'll ask that again what do you what do you like to do when you're not out shooting? You mentioned you've got lots of other hobbies. Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, so I do a fair bit of running, uh, a bit less than I than I used to, but I, I still run a fair bit. So that's mostly how I uh, experience the sunrise these days. Is I run I run early and you know, I, I really enjoy sunrise and seeing the city, you know, wake up and all of that. But I don't necessarily at the moment need to capture it. But yeah, so I, I do a fair bit of running. I, I play the piano quite a lot. Okay. Um, something I've been doing since I'm a kid. Um, I'm still pretty bad at it, but you know, I, I keep trying. <laughs> as long uh, as you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's why I, I really, really enjoy it. But it takes a bit of time, you know, got to practice uh, an hour or two every day to, to try to um, keep it up. And then um, what I do as well is I um i've been learning how to tune and renovate and rebuild pianos brilliant so yeah it's quite nice i enjoyed it it's also quite rewarding but it's also very time consuming because that takes pretty much at the moment a good 
good portion of my weekends. So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who else should I be talking to on the podcast? There's one photographer that comes to mind, especially in landscape, is um, Mika Boynton. I've yeah. just recently uh, spoken to her. <laughs> oh, really? Good. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's probably the best um, landscape photographer in Australia at the moment. Wow. Okay. Absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, absolutely fantastic. Uh, she's really, she knows her stuff, and I've done a few um, sessions with her um, to review my work. So that's something I, I do um, quite regularly is I do portfolio reviews with photographers that are well established in the industry. And so that's how I learned quite a lot as well. So yeah, Mika's been really, really good at helping me with this. Um, so yeah, she's definitely a standout photographer in Australia, that's for sure. Uh, another one that comes to mind uh, is Graham Gordon. Yep, I know Graham, yeah. Yeah, he's also quite an exceptional photographer. Um, yeah. He's very inspired by his work, and he's got an exceptional vision. Definitely. And I don't think he does that full time either. I think it's is is um I don't know if he does it part time as a, as work, but uh, yeah, I think he I think he's doing it part time as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, his work is really exceptional. Yeah, I think his vision is is really really. Yeah, yeah. No, I I totally agree with that. So these are the two that yeah come to mind. Yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that. I've got one more question for you, and it's uh, the one that everyone knows is coming. <laughs> yeah. Do you like pineapple on pizza? No, I don't. I don't at all. No. 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 <laughs> no. no that is definitely uh, something I, uh, I would um, I would avoid as much as I can. Fair enough. You have to give me money to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me, Stefan. It's been wonderful getting to know you and your work a little bit better. Where can people find what you do? Um, so I've got a little online portfolio that I've put together really quickly on one day because I needed to show something for a project. So it's at, um, it's at stphotos.net. Mm -hmm. um, so that's um, the things. And then I've got my Instagram bucket where I put all my <laughs> all my stuff. But uh yeah, that's that's pretty much where it is. Fair enough. All right. Well thanks very much, Matt. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again for listening to Landscape Photography World. I hope you enjoyed the show and keep listening because I'll be joined by some great guests in upcoming episodes. You can find my work in this podcast at grantswinburnphotography.com. I'm also on Vero, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram and Facebook. I'm Grant Swinburne. Hope to see you out shooting soon.